Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning. Wow. You're here. Who knew? This is wonderful. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter, beginning with verse number 36. Listen once again to the Word of God. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, Let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, My betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are any of you familiar with the humor of Jeff Foxworthy? Here are a couple of examples. If you make your wife ride in the back of the truck so that your dog doesn't get car sick, you might be a redneck. If you think the last four words of the national anthem are, gentlemen, start your engines, guess what? You might be a redneck. If your wife has ever said, honey, come move this transmission so I can take a bath, you, guess what? You might be a redneck. If you can't remember what's under the blue tarp in your front yard, you might be what? A redneck. And here's another one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and went with them from village to village in Judea 2,000 years ago, guess what? You might be a redneck. Really? I know a little bit about rednecks. I know a lot about rednecks, actually. 
Their favorite color is black, as in Harley-Davidson t-shirts. Their cherished art is a poster of Shania Twain. NASCAR is not a sport, it is a religion. When I was living in North Carolina, I enjoyed borrowing, on occasion, my friend's pickup truck. Rednecks have a certain way of waving to people in a pickup truck. Did you know this? If you're driving a pickup truck in the South, the last thing you want to do is go, hey. No, this is the, this is the correct way for rednecks to drive a truck in the South. Hand on the steering wheel, you pass someone, one finger up, got you buddy, one finger down. Make sure you get the right finger, index finger, one finger up, one finger down. That's the way all rednecks drive trucks in the South. I was so delighted when I found that out. I lived across the street from a man by the name of Bob, oh, for 10 years. Bob was in his mid to late 60s, not in very good health, really, really, um, how to put it, earthy, gruff. He loved his guns, for example. One summer, up over the hill behind his house, a family put speakers, loudspeakers up in the trees so they can hear their music at night. The problem is we all heard their music at night, this horrible, loud music, and then one night it stopped. Do you want to guess why it stopped? Bob had a shotgun. Bob crept up under the cover of nightness one night and blam, 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 and they were gone. We were 25 minutes from the sheriff's office, but Deb and I slept like babies every night. Because, why? Because Bob was right across the street. Bob was a what? A redneck. And yet, when our furnace stopped working for a week in February, it was Bob who walked over with an armload of firewood. When my wife and I would go on vacation, it was Bob who would go and feed our two cats and two dogs, and yes, he would go on armed, armed patrol around the church and the mats when we were away. And when we lost our daughter, there was a knock at the door, and it was Bob with a casserole in hand. The last time I saw Bob was just a few months before he died. I had gone to another church but was visiting briefly. Bob never called me Patrick. It was always preacher. And with his broken English and his big old heart, he absolutely loved me. And that last time I saw him, Bob, this redneck, this gruff fella, wrapped his arms around me and actually kissed me on the cheek. Bob was probably one of the best friends that I have ever had, and I still miss him. Bob was what? A redneck. That's the thing about good rednecks. They are unfailingly loyal. They are exceptionally faithful in their relationships. When my back was up against the wall, I knew that I could always count on Bob to be there. Peter, James, and John, disciples of Jesus, 
might be rednecks. Have you ever thought about that? They were fishermen. They were blue-collar, third-shift kind of fishermen. Jesus called them to follow him, and they did. Uh, rednecks are loyal. They are faithful. And yet, so what's, if, if they really were rednecks, as I suspect, what's going on in our scripture reading this morning? It, it just doesn't quite make sense. It's nighttime. Jesus has finished his last supper with his disciples. They have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Peter, James, John, come with me. And they go a little ways over to pray. Jesus says to them, stay awake. Jesus goes a little bit farther away. Matthew says that he throws himself down on the ground. Matthew doesn't say that he lies down on the ground. Matthew doesn't say that he kneels down on the ground. Matthew says that he throws himself down on the ground. Jesus is grieved and deeply agitated. He is no Socrates who calmly drinks a cup of poison. He does not stoically accept death. No, Jesus is passionate about life and he's passionate about living. He does not casually dismiss or minimize pain and suffering his or anyone else's. He is struggling and agonizing over his impending death. Uh, Peter, James, John, I am deeply grieved. I am deeply agitated. Stay awake, stay awake. And he goes over and he throws himself down on the ground. I, Maybe, maybe there is a case, but I can't remember it. Can any of you think of another example in the Gospels? When Jesus asked something of his disciples purely for his benefit, I can't remember. It might be there. He asked the woman at the well for some water, right? But can any of you remember a time when Jesus asked his disciples a favor, made a request of them for himself? I can't. Stay awake with me. I need you tonight. Stay awake. Jesus throws himself on the ground and he's praying fervently. Uh, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Pass this cup for me if it's possible, but, but your will. And he gets up. Who knows why? Maybe he just needed to see a familiar face. Maybe he is just heartbroken. Maybe he's terrified and afraid, but he gets up. And he walks over to Peter, James, and John. And what does he find? They are asleep. They are sound asleep. Could you not stay awake? Stay awake and pray that you do not come into the time of trial. He goes away a second time, goes back to the ground. He's praying once again, saying the same words, Father, not my will, your will be done, but if possible, let this cup pass from me. And the second time he goes and checks on the disciples, and again, they are sound asleep. A third time he goes away, a third time he comes back, and a third time he finds them sleeping. Are you still, are you still asleep? Get up, wake up. My betrayer is at hand. What's going on here? Why did they not stay awake when Jesus had personally asked them to? One afternoon, I got a phone call from a member of my church. His name was Jimmy. Jimmy said, Patrick, uh, can I stop by and see you? Sure, come on over. Jimmy was a quiet man, a strong leader in that congregation. He was quiet, but when he was on session, when he spoke, everyone else got quiet. And we listened very, very carefully to what Jimmy had to say. 
Uh, well, Patrick, uh, I've got this petition here. And I, may, I thought you might want to sign it. Hollywood had just released the movie version of Nikos Kazantzakis' book, The Last Temptation of Christ. And there were some Christians in our country that in an uproar about this. They were calling for the movie to be boycotted. Well, uh, Patrick, would you like to sign this petition to boycott this movie? Jimmy and I talked for the next hour. We talked about the movie. We talked about faith. We talked about Jesus. When he got up to leave, I never signed the petition. We, we even talked about going to see the movie together. But when he got up to leave, he turned to me and he said, you know, given what Jesus did for me, this just seemed like the least I could do for him. Do you think Jimmy was a good redneck? Faithful, loyal, devoted? I think so. Why then do the disciples fall asleep on Jesus in his hour of need when he really needs something from them? Christ calls us to follow him. And there are occasions in our lives when Christ will turn to us and say, Stay awake. I need you. But the scripture passage reminds us that eventually we will all fall asleep on Christ. Our eyes become heavy and we fail to see God in our midst. Or maybe... Maybe we drowsily regard the church as a club rather than as the community of Jesus' brothers and sisters. Or maybe our faith takes a nap when we find ways to ignore a brother or sister who is cold or hurting or lonely. Maybe we tuck our time and talent and financial resources nicely into bed, all comfy-like. And don't wake them up to share with Jesus and his mission in the world. Maybe we're so frazzled, so worn out, that we fail to show hospitality to a stranger. We fall asleep on Jesus time after time after time. Even the best of us will fall asleep on Jesus when he's asked us to stay awake, to stay awake for him. I once worked as a chaplain in a very large trauma hospital in Houston, Texas. One evening around eight o'clock, my beeper beeped and I went down to the trauma unit. A young man, about 25 years old, had been riding around Houston in the back of a pickup truck. They hit a bump, he lost his balance, he fell out. He hit his head on the pavement. They rushed him to the hospital, they worked on him in the trauma unit, they did everything they could, but the time came when the doctor and I walked into the family, to the waiting room where the family was, and explained to them that despite our best efforts, we could not save their loved one. 
Patrick, they asked, Pat, Pat, oh. Chaplain Patrick, could, could we go see his body? Of course. Of course you can. Let me make the arrangements. So I went and talked with the nurse. They wiped the blood off of his head, put him on a gurney in a room adjacent to the trauma unit. Now, there were a good number of family by that point. And I said, let me take you in two or three at a time. And the first two I took in were his mother and his aunt. We walked into the room, went around a curtain partition, and there he was lying on the gurney. They took one look at him and passed out. They hit the floor, and I had no clue what to do. I was 23 years old, and in that moment, I was scared to death. I looked up like some kind of deranged zebra, uh, giraffe, over the partition, searching for help, and there was another orderly, about 25, 26 years old, not too far away, and he must have seen sheer terror on my face because he raced right over to where I was, and I'll never forget it. He got down on the floor on his hands and knees. He held both of these women by their hands and continued to pat them and saying, it's going to be okay. It's okay. I'm here with you. It's going to be okay. I was a chaplain, but he was teaching me how to minister. As I watched him, I think I saw a glimpse of Jesus. It's okay. I've got you. It's okay. I think I saw a glimpse of Jesus in his unwavering presence and his loyalty and his faithfulness and his love and in his compassion. He stayed awake and held these two sisters in faith in his heart. They stood up, we prayed with the young man, and then they left. We find ways to fall asleep on Jesus all the time. But the good news of our faith is that Jesus does not fall asleep on us. And that no matter how weary we are, sad we are, filled with grief, worn down, worn out by this, that, COVID, whatever, Jesus is the one who comes into our lives, kneels down, and holds us by the hand. Jesus. A country boy from a backwater village, Jesus, who never held a steady job. Jesus, who roamed from place to place. Jesus, who hung out with the wrong kind of people. Jesus, who climbed up on that cross and promises to be with us no matter what. Amen.